Thanks for listening to the Mercy Church Podcast. If you're in the area, we want to invite you to join us the last weekend in March as we celebrate Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Good Friday services will be at 6 p.m. on Friday evening. And then on Sunday morning, we invite you to join us for a time of worship, a message, and baptisms. Bring your friends, your family, and if you feel so led, invite your coworker, cashier, or barista to join you. Services will be held at regular service times at all campuses. To learn more, visit mercycharlotte.com slash events. Again, that's mercycharlotte.com slash events. Well, good morning, Mercy Church. I am so excited to be here and so grateful that God has allowed me to, to be with you all again. Everyone has always been so kind Every time I come and be a part of Mercy Church, and uh, I just absolutely love the leadership here, love the pastor. Uh, uh, you guys are going to be blessed when he gets a chance to come back and preach. I can only imagine it's going to be good stuff. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray and get into the Word of God today. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, this day for your incredible love for us. God, we pray now in the name of Jesus that we would hear your voice. God, we want to know your heart. God, as always, I pray that you would humble your servant now. Make me as this microphone that I would simply magnify the things you've said into me. Lord, open our ears, our hearts, and our minds, Lord. Let us not just be hearers of the word, but God also doers. Let this word be good seed sown into our hearts that is good soil that will produce a harvest in our lives, Lord. And we'll be so humble to give you the glory, the praise, and the honor in Jesus' name, we pray that the church say amen. Amen. Again, I'm so glad to be here. Also thankful for my wife, April, if she's watching, she let me come out and preach today. Uh, yes. Yes, she let me. She said, so where are you going? What's happening? Do they have sanitizer? Have they Lysoled everything? Amen. So she let me come play today. <laughs> so I'm glad to be here. Uh, I'm excited today because I believe the word that the Lord has given me to share with Mercy Church is a very important word. Uh, it is, it's a word I believe that's going to challenge us. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, this may get intense real quick. Okay, I just want to make sure I give you a, a heads up uh, because I really feel like God has brought me here to encourage but challenge uh, some of you, those of you all that are watching online and you watch parties, you're watching on your phone, you're going to be challenged here. Stay with me, but I believe it's going to, it's going to be good. Uh, I'm going to do right now what I think a lot of us want to do is just jump straight to the end of 2020. Okay, I'm not the only one. Uh, my, my daughter, I have a little girl, my, my youngest child, uh, London Grace, she loves Christmas. Any other children love Christmas? Any, okay, just not my baby. All right. Uh, uh, and she has this interesting thing she does with Christmas. Uh, uh, she loves Christmas because she loves any type of celebration of any kind, birthday parties, anniversaries, anything you think of. She is a party person. If it's your birthday, she's probably more excited about your birthday than you are. But Christmas is interesting because it's a humbling time for me as a father because every night, uh, about two to three months leading up to Christmas, my daughter starts praying for her Christmas gifts. She starts letting me know, let's go before the Lord. Make our request known. I said, baby, that's not how it works. She's five, y'all. It's coming. Don't worry. 
But she keeps telling me all these different things that she wants for Christmas and all these different things she wants to see, and she can't wait to, to give things, but she also doesn't, she can't wait to get things, but she also can't wait to give. But, but it's interesting because she makes the same request, Daddy, I want this, 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 I want this. And it's hard because the more she talks about what she wants for Christmas, the harder it is for her to go to sleep. But, but I was humbled because uh, I started noticing maybe two or three years ago that she's so excited, watch this, about the gifts even while she's in the presence of the giver. Sometimes she misses the beauty of the giver because she's so focused on the gift. And I believe in the same way some of us can have this same relationship with God that, that we come to God in prayer, but we are still after the gift. We come to God in our time of scripture, but we, we want this exchange. And I believe that God has really been challenging me in this area personally because I can be honest and say that sometimes I have a problem. Can I be transparent? Y'all not going to judge me, are you? Uh, okay, I'm, I'm going home later either way. Listen, uh, <laughs> that, that, that I have this problem with this word I want to really lay before you today. I have a problem with my awe. That sometimes my awe is not after or for the right thing. My awe is not after God, but sometimes it's after the things of God. And I believe, especially in our current climate, we have to make sure our awe is in the right place. Because I believe that, that your awe will shape almost everything that you do. Your awe will shape how you pursue the mission of God. Your awe will shape how you obey the word of God. Your awe will shape what career you pursue after, how you serve your neighbor. Your awe will even determine what you eat. Awe. I would like to suggest today that in our culture, our country, even in the church, we don't have as much of a sin problem, a leadership problem, even a, a government problem, an education problem. I believe at the root of it, our church, our culture, and our country, oftentimes we have a all problem. Yeah. Can I ask you this question? What do you have an awe for? What do you awe after? Where is your awe? I want you to write this down because I think it's our main idea today. I want to give you this, that whatever we are in awe of is, watch this, what we will pursue after. Whatever we are in awe of is what we will pursue after. Yeah. Yeah, your awe will, will dictate your pursuit. Your awe will even dictate your sacrifice. Where is your awe? It's interesting, even with my daughter, I realized that her awe was not really after the gifts that would be under the tree. Uh, she loves Christmas. She actually cried when we took the Christmas tree down. She said, Daddy, can we leave the Christmas tree up until my birthday? Baby, your birthday's in April. What's, what's the problem? Let's add balloons. And when I realized it, it wasn't the gifts under the tree, it wasn't the balloons, it wasn't, it wasn't the party. She was in awe, watch this, of herself. Because it's what she feels, it's the satisfaction, it's the pleasure, it's, it's the feeling. That's what the awe was. And many of us, that's where our awe is. Where is your awe today? I believe in Psalm chapter 
27, verses 1 through 4, I believe David writes here, and I believe we see a beautiful uh, tension between our current conditions and the things that maybe we should be after and having it all for God. And I want to read this to you uh, in Psalm chapter 27, starting at verse number 1. This is a psalm uh, of David. It says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. I grew up in an old Baptist church, a country Baptist church, and the church I grew up in, a bunch of beautiful chocolate people. I couldn't get out that first verse without somebody saying, amen, the Lord is my light. We're going to try it again here. It's all right. I'm just helping you. I'm helping you. It says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Amen. Y'all are doing good today. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Verse 3, though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. I want to preach from the title today, Adjust Your All. Adjust your all. I remember my mother would have to remind me from time to time as a little boy, hey son, if you don't get yourself together, I can help you with an attitude adjustment. <laughs> Maybe I'm the only one that had a mother like that. But sometimes we don't just need an attitude adjustment. I believe we're going to be followers of Christ. We have to be aware that sometimes we need an all adjustment. Adjust your all because your all shapes everything, every area of your life. And this is my intention in today's message is to help you take some time to make sure that your all is for God. Your all is for God and the things of God. The life you live is determined by your all, the decisions that you make, the person that you marry, the clothes that you wear, the place that you work, the school that you attend, the food that you eat. I don't know about you, but I like to eat food that makes me go, all. <laughs> your all is so important. And some of the things that I've learned about my own life, the mistakes that I've made, is that oftentimes where I'm getting in a self-centered place where I'm trying to fulfill my selfish desires, it's often the byproduct of me losing proper awe of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If we're not careful, losing our all of God, watch this, will cause us to wander away from him altogether. Losing your all for God will cause you to wander away from him altogether. And today, I want to make sure that we are maintaining our walk with Christ that is rooted in our awe of who he is. I believe that this is the single greatest and most important thing that we have to address first in ourselves. We have the proper awe for God. So I came here today, Pastor Spence, 
to do an awe adjustment for you. Amen. Amen. So, so let's, let's answer this question. Let's give some context here. Uh, I do believe context informs content, but we got to address this. What is awe? I know you're saying, okay, you've said it a couple times, Pastor. What, what in the world is awe? Awe is defined as the reverential state or condition of the mind and heart that results in a respectful fear or genuine wonder. In a secular sense, a person can't be in awe or filled with awe towards another person, place, or thing. Let me give you an example. I remember my senior year in high school, my, my family, we had the opportunity to go uh, uh, to see the Grand Canyon. And I remember going to the Grand Canyon specifically, and uh, they had a couple of different ways you could see it. You could actually stand kind of on the edge of the Grand Canyon. You could take a bus ride about halfway down. You could take a donkey ride all the way down, or you could get in a helicopter and fly all the way down and take a boat ride up the Colorado River. Now, I remember uh, uh, doing this because the, the bottom of the helicopter was clear. Not my thing, okay? <laughs> but my daddy made me go. So we went down, we flew down, and, and I remember seeing, watch this, guys, the, the grandeur of the Grand Canyon. It was amazing. If you've never seen it, you have to see this. It, it was the most amazing that I've ever seen. And I remember after just moments of being it down in the Grand Canyon and riding up the Colorado River, I could only think not just of how great this was, but how great my God was. This is how all should work, that we should see something that God created, and it should put us in awe of God, not in awe of the thing. And the challenge that many of us have is that often we get stuck at the awe of things and forget to lift our eyes to the awe of God. We were all designed to be in awe. Psalm 33 verse 8 says, let all the earth fill the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. What are you in awe of? God has been calling us to be in awe of him. We are wired for awe. This is not a spiritual issue. This is not a Christian issue. This is a human thing that we all deal with. Whether you believe in Jesus Christ or not, you are in awe of something. Whether you believe that he died for your sins and God raised him from the dead, at the core of who you are, you got to deal with your awe. See, here's the thing. The challenge of awe is that awe was meant for God and God alone. Everything we see as awesome is meant to point us back to God. Watch this, not become God. Yeah. See, we have become in awe of the creation and not the creator. Here is the problem that we must wrestle with when it comes to our awe. Creations were never designed to satisfy you, only the creator. I want you to see this, that anything God created was never designed to satisfy you, only he was, but those creations should be fingers that point back to the creator. Okay, so so we go to the Grand Canyon, the Grand Canyon is a finger pointing back to the creator. Yeah, are you seeing this? I remember the moment that I had my first child, I saw what my wife was able to produce, oh my God. How in the world 
God, you created a human being to produce another human being that looked just like me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I don't know if any of you have ever had grandma's pancake sampler at Cracker Barrel, but for some of us like myself, it causes me to fall down on the floor and worship a great and mighty God. <laughs> oh. It's, it's causing us to point to God, but it was never, watch this, never designed to satisfy us. Are you seeing that? That our all of creation was never designed to bring us peace. That all of creation was never designed to give us our heart's desire. It will never be enough. The creation will never satisfy you the way the creator will. This has been the biggest challenge, in my opinion, since the beginning of time. I believe that we see the fall in Genesis, and it's connected to all. Let's go to Genesis chapter number three, verse six. We find our homegirl Eve here, and she has an awe problem. It says it right here in Genesis chapter number three, verse six, her interaction with the serpent. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, awe, and that it was a delight to the eye, awe, are you seeing this? And that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. All. It's at the root of it. She, she, the serpent got her to believe that, listen, if you, if you eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will be like God. Oh, this is all self. I want this for me. Do you see this? It's the beginning of this. And so let me write this down if you can. There are only two places you can have all if you haven't figured it out yet. Two places you can have all. You either have all of God or all of God's creations. That's it. Either going to be in awe of God or going to be in awe of God's creations. And what I want you to wrestle with today is, what are you in awe of? Where where is your awe placed? See, either we have a vertical awe or a horizontal awe. Our horizontal awes were designed to point us into a vertical awe of God. I'm glad you love your wife, but she cannot be your awe. Yes, your children are a precious gift from God, but they should never be your all. Yes, your education has provided you so many different opportunities. Yes, your finances set you up for a certain opportunity to bless others. But yes, those things should never be your, your all. Are y'all with me? Yes. It is important that we do not allow things that are not designed, not God, to become our are. Oh, this actually starts early in life. Yes, any of you have children, you know that babies have all. The precious ones. It doesn't take long for them to learn how to say no, even if they can't say the word. Both my children, they learn how to shut their mouths. I'll try to feed them certain foods. Mm-mm, mm-mm. You know what they were saying? I'm not in awe. This is not what I want. Do you see this? This is not what I desire. It's, and what's funny to me is that little people that have an awe problem grow up to be big people that have an awe problem. And if we don't have a proper perspective of God, we will struggle with awe. So three things I believe David shows us in these four verses I want to lift up very quickly that we need to be aware of when it comes to our awe and how it's adjusted. Uh, I want to share those with you, all right? Good students, I say this in vertical, take notes. Good students, take notes. I assume if you're not taking notes, it's not that important to you. That's just my personal opinion. 
<laughs> Here it is, number one. Write this down. Good students take notes. Number one, all is adjusted personally. All is adjusted personally. It is a personal thing. All is adjusted personally. It's right here in Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? This is absolutely amazing to me. My brother David here is a wild boy. <laughs> he, he says to me right here in this context that while he may be encamped, uh, with enemies, why they may be coming to eat up his flesh, he starts to psalm with theology. Uh, you immediately find out where his awe is, just like that. He says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Who the Lord? Who the Lord? Who the Lord? It's a personal thing. It's right here in the text. It's interesting. He starts with these theological truths about the greatness of his God, even though he's in a detrimental situation. See, our awe is personal. I believe the most important word in that first verse is not salvation. It is not stronghold. It is not life. It's this two-letter word called my. Yes, Lord. I'm going to preach today, y'all, if y'all if you just stay with me. He says it right here. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Here's what you got to catch here. It's one thing to say the Lord is light. It's another thing to say he's my light. It's one thing to say that he is a stronghold. It's another thing to say he's my stronghold. See, you have a complete awe of God, not when you have a theological understanding, but a personal experience with God. Our awe has to be personal. See, what many of us are in awe of, it is a personal thing. Whatever it is personally, this experience that you have, my awe of grandma's pancake sampler has nothing to do with your experience. It has everything to do with mine. All must be personal. See, I believe that this is a, a, a theological understanding is great and having this cognitive uh, engagement with Scripture and God is one thing. But to say you are my God, not just a God and not just the God, that's where we find all. One of the things I want to make sure, especially in our context where we are, we are constantly bombarded with information, we cannot rob God or rob our experience of God with so much information, with so little experience. See, theology is, is not uh, about a book. It's about the God of the book. You got to understand this. This is, this is a personal engagement. This is... This is the beauty of the gospel is that the gospel allows us to have a personal experience with God. That veil was rent from top to bottom when Jesus died on the cross that allowed us to go into the presence of God and we became priests unto ourselves. I don't need to go to anybody to have a personal experience of God. I can go to God all by myself, for myself, and in that presence I am in all. Y'all following me? Uh, I love what David Tripp says. David, Paul David Tripp says this, that theology properly understood doesn't just define God. It redefines me as a child of God. 
Yeah, yeah. So he says, listen, this, this thing, this understanding of who God is, that he is my light, he is my stronghold, he is my salvation, it's not a cognitive thing that I understand, it's a personal thing that I've experienced. I can imagine that David, when he pins these words, he thinks about the moments in his life where he was fighting, yes, Lord, the lion and the bear and Goliath. He says, Lord, he is my salvation. I'm not telling you what somebody else told me. I'm not telling what my father read to me in a book. I'm telling you what I know for myself. I can imagine David in that dark place where he's running from King Saul or he's running from his own son Absalom. I can imagine that when he had uh, uh, stepped out of his role with uh, Bathsheba and he is in this dark place, he says, the Lord is my light. It's personal. You got to see this. The challenge for many of us is that we misplace our all. And because you haven't had a personal experience with God, your, your all is in something or someone else. And we don't realize that it's, it's not until those, those horizontal alls are tested that we find that they are not our satisfaction. Yeah. It's not until you realize that money can't buy you peace that you find out money will never satisfy you. Are you with me? See, one of the things I've learned is that if God is not your desire, he will not be your satisfaction. And you can desire all these things and you'll realize that these things will never be enough. Are y'all with me? We have to make sure we have a proper awe of God. Secondly, all is adjusted personally, but the second thing, number two, write this down, good students, take notes, all adjust your perspective. Y'all, I'm going to have to do my best to stay right here on this platform because I may, I may run after this thing right here. It, it got good to me. All adjust your perspective. Uh, look at your Bibles right here, Psalm 27, verse 2 and 3. Uh, if you are at your watch party, feel free to run around. If this gets good to you, it's totally allowed at the house. Uh, Psalm 27, verse 2 and 3. It says, when evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall, though an army encamp against Against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, oh man, yet will I be confident. I want you to see this how awe is so important. David's awe of God changes his perspective on his life. David's awe of God changes his perspective on his life. Whatever your awe is after or for, it will directly impact your perspective on your life. Give you an example. If your awe is for money or finances or resources, the moment that you don't have it anymore, your perspective changes. Now your perspective now is dependent upon that thing. Let me help you again. But if your awe is after God, God never changes, so your perspective never changes. Whether I have money or not, whether I have friends or not, whether I have resources or not, whether y'all love me or not, because my awe is after God and not anything horizontally, because he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, my perspective remains the same. This is why David can be in awe of God, yet he is encamped by enemies, yet he says, I'll be confident. 
But if his awe was in something else or even in himself, he would have fear. I want you all to see this. It's so important that you have a proper awe of God. Again, David says it early in verse 1, God is my salvation. Now, I'm not saying that your awe of God will prevent bad situations from happening. I'm not saying that your awe of God is a denial of the reality. No, your awe of God helps you give context and perspective on the reality. Okay, okay. Now, I believe that is this perspective that David has. He has a proper, healthy awe of God, this this, stay with me, a fear of God. Not I am afraid, but a reverential respect and honor for who he is. One of the things I say is like this, that fear, write this down if you can, write this down. Fear is the only solution for fear. I'm going to explain it. Don't, don't run away from me now. Fear is the only solution for fear. My fear of God, watch this disarms my fear of other things. My reverential honor and understanding of who God is disarms my fear of other things. I think one of my favorite uh, examples of this actually is with David in 1 Samuel chapter number 17, where David addresses his brothers in the army and King Saul about this uh, Philistine, or the way my grandmother said it, the Philistine, (laughs) giant Goliath. And here it is in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 36 through 37. He talks about this idea of him having to face Goliath. Let's look at the verses, verse 36 through 37. It says, your servant has struck down both lions and bears. He's talking to King Saul here. And the uncircumcised, I'm going to say it for my grandma, Philistine, shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, watch this church, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. I don't know if you caught it there, but he says, listen, it's my reverence and understanding of who God is and what he's already done that allows me not to walk in fear in this current situation. His awe changes perspective. See, I've learned for me at least that sometimes when when I am full of fear, when I am full of concern, when I'm worried about the situation, it's because my awe is not in the right place. That that I I have forgotten the faithfulness of God. I've forgotten how, how great he is. I have forgotten that he created the sun, the moon, and the stars. I have forgotten of his power, his grandeur. I have forgotten that he is undefeated. I have these things I have to remind myself. I have to adjust my all. Yeah. He knew who his deliverer was. And sometimes we need certain things, and I believe what happens with David is he has the, the lion, he get delivered of the lion and the bear, and he's, he's reminded, and this situation, God, God's got me. Let me give you an example. Uh, 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 one of my, uh, uh, my executive director, I was, I was asking her, uh, you know, when did you know you were in awe of God? What, what was the moment? And uh, she said, Pastor, it was when I went uh, deep sea scuba diving. I said, Okay. So you're saying it's not one of my incredible sermons? No? It wasn't that? Okay. I mean, I guess, I guess that could be it. She tells me she goes deep sea scuba diving, and she tells me she, she's learning about all the different fish 
and the different coral reefs she sees. And she's telling me about this, this one fish that blew my mind. Uh, it's called the pilot fish. Anybody ever heard of pilot fish? Pilot fish? The pilot fish, uh, I know some of y'all have watched Shark Week. The, the pilot fish is the little fish that swims alongside of the shark. Y'all ever saw that? There's a little fish that swims alongside of the shark. And I know if you're like me, uh, uh, you're wondering why in the world doesn't the shark eat this pilot fish? This little bitty fish, that's two or three, they all swim with the shark always. And, and, and it says that, that the shark doesn't eat the pilot fish. Here's why. The reason why the shark doesn't eat the pilot fish is because the pilot fish cleans the teeth and the mouth of the shark. So after a shark, stay with me, eats an animal, he has leftover carcass in between his teeth, and, and if that carcass is not cleaned out, it turns into bacteria. So the pilot fish comes, watch this, and picks the food out of the teeth of the shark. It is believed that, that some sharks and some pilot fish, they will allow the pilot fish to swim into the mouth of the shark to get the little pieces of carcass out of the shark. I don't know if you know this, but sharks don't have napkins, can't clean themselves. So, so here, here, I want you to see this. So the beauty of this picture is this, that the pilot fish gets protection from the other fish that can eat them in the sea. And the shark gets a fish that will clean its teeth to prevent bacteria from taking place in its mouth. Okay. If God thinks so much of the pilot fish, to give him a protector and free food. And if God thinks so much of the shark to give him a pilot fish that would clean his mouth, how much more does God think of us? Okay, let, let me give you some Bible because maybe y'all don't know anything about the uh, Discovery Channel. Uh, Matthew chapter number six, I'm going to give you what Jesus says, verse 25 to 26. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, whatever you will eat or whatever you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Here it is. Let's be in awe for a second. Verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? See, proper perspective creates peace. Sometimes your peace is not there because you don't have proper perspective of God. I love what Jesus says. Jesus says, consider the birds. (laughs) Pastor Ryan says, consider the shark. I feel like my version is a little better than Jesus. It's a shark. What am I supposed to do? Your awe changes your perspective. Lastly, very quickly, when your awe is adjusted personally, adjusts your perspective, then it lastly should do this. This is the main part of this sermon. It adjusts your pursuit. When you have a personal perspective change, it changes your pursuit. It's right here in the text, Psalm 27, verse 4. Oh, man, David convicts me. He says, one thing have I asked of the Lord. Can I stop there? David, what? You mean one thing? Wait, 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 David, 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 David. You you just said armies are encamped around you. They're coming to eat your flesh. 
and you, you only requested one thing? We're, we're hearing all. He says, one thing have I asked of the Lord, and that I will seek after, that I will pursue, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Do you see how proper awe, this personal awe, this, this changed perspective now has changed his pursuit? Let's be honest. God, if I'm being attacked by armies and they're all around me, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not interested in being in your temple. Right now, my prayer is not to gaze. Okay, I'm the only one. Okay, it's, it's all right. No, my prayer is for protection. Some of y'all can say like, I'm like this, Lord, I'm praying, get them, Jesus. <laughs> Nobody ever prayed that prayer before? <laughs> Touch not my anointed. We ain't got to go there. I'm sorry. <laughs> get, get them, Lord. No, no. No, that's not my prayer. But listen, this is where his awe is. His awe is for God. His awe is for the things of God. Here's the challenge that I want us to understand here. That again, that our awe for horizontal things They lie to us. They lie to us. They make us feel like they will satisfy us, and they never do. So many years of my young life, I said, one day when I, things will be better. If I could just this, things will be better. And guess what? Those things happened. And I still was not satisfied. Are you seeing this? Mm-hmm. This deception of this, this selfish nature of all creates a consumeristic approach to life where we have a consumeristic interaction with each other. What can you do for me? We have a consumeristic interaction with the church. <laughs> What's in it for me? And then we have a consumeristic interaction with God. How are you going to bless me? And that's not the posture we're called to have. We're called to be in awe of God. So very quickly, let me tell you how you get your awe back. Write this down very quickly. It's it's two words. It's two words, really. It's disconnection and reconnection. Disconnection, we're closing right here, and reconnection. Can I tell you, I'm going to confess to you, one of my struggles and my awe was my daughter, London. I have three boys, and finally my little girl, London Grace. I want you to notice I don't name my three older boys because they're not London Grace. I lost, my wife and I, we lost our first child. My daughter died in my hands, Lillian Anaya. She died on my birthday, January 20th. I remember after that moment, uh, broken, grieving, we found out we were pregnant again. And I remember uh, being at the, at the doctor and finding out that we were having a little boy. Listen to me, church. And I was upset. I was angry. I wanted a daughter. I felt like God had took my daughter from me. Lord, you owe me one. I've always wanted a son, but in this moment, I wanted a daughter. And I really found out that. And I was selfish. I didn't want a daughter 
just to say I had one. I wanted a daughter for me. Stay with me. I also have two sisters. I have an older sister and a younger sister. And I have seen my entire life the relationship that my sisters have with my father and the relationship my father has with my sisters. I want you to see what I'm, I'm in awe after. Watch this. My sisters see no wrong in my father. They love him unconditionally. They love him and defend him beyond end. They correct him, but they love him. It's an amazing love I see between my sisters and my father. And listen to me, church, that's what I wanted. I was in awe of self. I'm going to take it a step further because here it is in my own marriage. I have to work for that love sometimes. But any parent understands that in the same way for your child, especially your young one, you don't have to earn. And God had to help me. He said, Ryan, you're always in the wrong place. And I had to first identify, just write this down, number one, identify your awe. What is the thing that has captured your heart that is not God? It may be a good thing, but not a God thing. It may be a God thing, but not God. I'm glad you're in awe of the church, but the church is not God. Don't be in awe of the church if you're not in awe of God first. So you got to identify the what of your awe. The second thing you got to identify the why of your awe. It was London's love that she could give me. My brokenness in my awe. Identify the why of your awe. What happened that caused you to be in awe of this? And what happened to you? Those two different things that caused you to be in awe of this. Thirdly, what are you looking for to get from this awe that only God should provide? What are you looking for to get from this awe that only God should provide? Are you pursuing a career to create security? No, God should be your security. Are you pursuing a relationship or a marriage, trying to get love? No, God should give you your love. Are you pursuing money for your identity? No, God should be your identity. What are you looking for? And the fourth thing, so the first three are disconnection. Here it is, reconnection. Increase your awareness of God. We're closing right here. Come help me land this plane, whoever's on the keys. We got to increase our awareness of God through biblical community, through spiritual disciplines, through taking time, through slowing down to hear God's voice. Some of y'all need to just go for a walk. (laughs) You, you, You just need to see the nature that God has created. Be present in the moment so you can be in awe of God. Where is your awe? I promise you, whatever you're pursuing after your awe is connected to that. Whoever you're trying to please, even if it's yourself, your awe is connected to that. I want to challenge you today to adjust your awe. Even in the conditions of our country right now, don't misplace your awe. This is what I know, that for some of us during this season, some of the things that we awed after have been found lacking. And God is still here to be your awe. Again, the good news of the gospel is that because of Jesus Christ, 
your sins, if you believe in him, would no longer separate you from a very personal relationship with God. You can now have a relationship with the creator and not just settle for the creations. Here's the beauty of the gospel. You don't have to work your way there. You don't have to earn your way there. You don't have to perform your way to God. You simply receive and believe. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your love. God, today I pray that we would be in awe of you. That in all the things that we do and all the things that we say, God, help us adjust our awe. God, I pray now, Father, that it would be personal, that it is not just a cognitive, academic understanding of you, but it is a personal experience with you. Father, we love you, we bless you, and we thank you. And God, we say you are awesome. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.